do believe that once you have confirmation and once you see that your path is opening up for you, I would full on support plan A, knowing the risks that come with it, but also having community and support to help you combat the risk. Hello, and welcome to Agnes Scott College's podcast, Journeys to Leadership, where we explore the paths of inspiring women leaders from around the globe. I'm Leo Kediazak, president of Agnes Scott and the host of this podcast. I hope that our guest stories not only encourage you, our listeners and leaders of today and tomorrow, but they also inspire you as you take the next steps in your own journey. Today's guest is an NAACP Image Award nominee. She is a multifaceted performer, poet, influencer, writer, and actress hailing from Atlanta, Georgia. She uses her digital platforms to address race, feminism, politics, and inclusivity. Her viral videos have had over 20 million views across platforms and have attracted the attention of several celebrities, major networks, and the general public. Highlighted in the LA Times and Bustle, Lene has built her brand on keeping it black but keeping it brief, offering critical context on today's issues in a succinct and stylish manner. She has collaborated with various brands such as Meta, Target, Revolt, and Netflix, to name just a few. She has also been a featured guest on the MSNBC program, The Cross Connection, with Tiffany Cross, and appeared in the 2021 Amazon Prime Television special, Yearly Departed. She has built her brand from the ground up and is only just getting started. Please join me in welcoming Lene Vini. Welcome to Journeys to Leadership, Lene. We're so delighted to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. On our show, we know that leadership doesn't just happen. It's a journey. Today, we want to explore your journey, the ups, downs, all of it. Well, as much as we can get into today's segment. So let's just jump right in. It's always interesting to know where a leadership journey started. So where did you grow up and what was that like? I grew up in Covington, Georgia. I was a military kid, so I bounced around to a few places in the South, but Georgia is where we landed. And it was interesting um, in the context of leadership. I came here in the sixth grade, which is when I was initially introduced to gifted programs. Um, I, I skipped a grade in kindergarten, and that was that was an interesting story. But as far as taking more challenging classes, that was new for me. Um, the adjusting was also interesting. It was just me and my mom for a minute, and my little brother, and so definitely looking back, there were a multitude of ways my mother tried to protect the leader she saw in me. And us being two young Black women with limited experiences, you know, I think she did the best that she could and I did the best that I could with the gifts that I was given. And um, it took a lot of building relationships and learning from those relationships for me to understand how to engage leadership effectively and graciously and to also be able to stand up for myself when necessary, because I think that was the biggest conflict I had. Being the new girl, if you grew up in a city where everyone knew each other from elementary school, trying to get into friend groups in middle school was a bit difficult because they already had their circle set. So um, that was an interesting dynamic for me. 
especially where I grew up, because most folks went to the same elementary, same middle, even even into high school. And so friendships were all, always something that I wrestled with. But at the end of the day, I still have to say those things, those relationships with women, really, women and girls, informed my leadership. And I think that's ultimately why I chose to go to Spelman. That being all women's college, I definitely needed that type of surrounding with women from different backgrounds and perspectives, all with common goals to learn from and engage with because iron sharpens iron. So there's a lot that you want to you know how it was like growing up. There's a lot I could pull from. But within the lens of leadership, I would say that I was I had many opportunities to learn that it doesn't come even if you're born with leadership qualities. Knowing how to engage with people, I think, is the most important part because you don't know how to lead until you can follow. And um, I think especially with young Black girls, we're tasked with being exceptional. We're tasked with being the best, especially when we have gifts and a gifts, especially in academia. And so we don't always know how to handle that, especially when our parents don't. So my journey has one has been one of learning even to this day. And I'm actually I'm actually excited to share some of the things that I've been able to do as a leader with my current team uh, in my career now that I think everybody should at least try. We'd love, to, we'd love to hear more about that. Can I just ask one question? One, I will say you and your mother did a beautiful job. <laughs> Is there anyone that stands out that mentored you on the way or, you know, gave you that hand? You talked about deciding to go to a woman's college. Uh-huh. You know, did someone guide you or or how did you find out what to do next? Well, um, <laughs> a funny story. I guess you could say Zoe Saldana, but not for any of the reasons you might think. Literally because she played a character as a dancer on a drum line at a HBCU. And that was the first movie I'd seen. Um First movie I'd seen at an age where I could really digest what was going on that really propelled me to want to want to attend the HBCU. I was in Virginia at the time and I didn't know the school portrayed in the film Atlanta A&T wasn't real. So I was like, I'm going to Atlanta A&T and I'm going to be on the dance line. And when I finally moved to Georgia, I was informed that it was actually Clark Atlanta where that was filmed. And that's where I wanted to go. And it just so happened. And I always say it's by an act of God that my tour guide was not available and my mother took me over to Spelman to tour instead, and voila. But beyond, beyond her introducing me to HBCU life, I would definitely say my mother. And I would really say I feel historical figures would be the most inspirational in my life because I've just kind of always had this affinity for Black history. And seeing the greatness in many of our figures is what propelled me to, to go on the path that I am today. So I looked at historical figures, not because of, not because they engaged in certain career paths that I want to go into, but simply because they were powerful, because they were phenomenal, because they were magical, because they were able to do the things they were able to do in circumstances far more trying than mine. Um, and I would, I would also say teachers in school as well. I remember a seventh grade social studies teacher and it's funny because I actually had this conversation with my team a couple of weeks ago. And I said, I don't think that I have, I've had too many direct mentors in my life, but that I've watched people. Um, and, I'd, and I said, the reason why I didn't have any direct mentors is because there's no one who 
had done the things that I wanted to do. My dreams and my vision for my life was so, so unique. I couldn't find anyone with that resume until Issa Rae, and she's been a mentor in my recent adult years. But when I think back to middle school, my seventh grade so social studies teacher, Ms. Golston, was my biggest mentor simply because she saw me. And that was really important, as I mentioned earlier, just kind of lost and not connecting well or not being as accepted. She's someone who I remember specifically. I don't remember what she said. I don't remember what she did. I just remember how she made me feel. And, and she made me feel safe. So, yeah, shout out to Ms. Goldstein. Absolutely. That is so important. Well, tell us about what you're doing now and why that is so important to you and why others should be following you as a leader. Oh, <laughs> um, so I'll start with your first question. What I'm doing now is, well, my management company calls me a multi-hyphenate because I do quite a few things, but I got my start with a social media show that I've written for the past two and a half years. I started and I've directed it, I guess you'd say. I started with my iPhone and a chair outside in my parking lot, but the name of the show is Parking Lot Pimpin'. <laughs> and it's a colloquial term amongst white culture that I turn on its head to describe a space where I sit in my parking lot and I share information that I've learned, research about Black culture, Black history, Black contribution to the world, and also how current events are informed by a history, a track record of institutionalized oppression. Um, and it's just, it's, just, it's just gained such a large audience. And I think it's because, I know it's because I specifically did this to break down the paywalls that exist around academia. I have two degrees, so it's not, I have nothing against academia, but I realized in my master's program that it was kind of a setup um, for me to be engaging in one, a master's in African-American studies that isn't typically the most funded of degrees. And so I, I got half of my tuition covered, but I had to pay $25,000 to afford to sit in a classroom to be exposed to information that could have been exposed to me in a more balanced format throughout my education, K through 12. And so there were many times I sat in that classroom and I felt empowered. Many times I sat in that classroom and I felt outraged. And I just, more often than not though, I felt like a veil had been lifted because I was able to see how things connected. And after that program, I had an opportunity to walk on to a PhD program, but everything in me said that was not, <laughs> that was not the next step for me that I need to go and reach back. And so I wanted to share that information with people, but also I wanted to share it in a way they could understand. And so I do my best to work against using a lot of um, jargon and or language that is specific to disciplines and how one might write an article, because a lot of people unfortunately don't understand that. And a lot of people that need to be exposed to it don't have that vocabulary. And so I use my platform to help build vocabulary, but also to build awareness and wherewithal. Um, but to answer the question of why people should follow me, I think, I think the best leaders are ones who don't lead with the purpose of gaining followers, but lead by meeting a need. And I think people who want to follow suit come in the process because I didn't necessarily do this work to, I don't know, I, <laughs> 
I actually have been outspoken about making sure that people do not take my rhetoric as fact or as gold, that they that they exercise things. We we ask students to in the academic space to challenge theories, to do their own reading and research. But I think the way in which I'm doing it, I definitely think that is a, a movement that people should engage in just to level out the playing field. I mean, um, I think that's really important if we work to take down all of these safeguards, higher communities and identities have put in place to maintain systemic, systemic injustice. And that starts with making it accessible. How do you think young people can accomplish some of that in their own right? How can they use their voice or how would you encourage them? I would just say stick with what you're most passionate about. I think going back to the end of our conversation, a lot of the reason why I felt outcast or secluded is because I had a very interesting outlook on life and it didn't necessarily align with other folks. And so I quickly tried to adapt and and be acceptable or pleasing um, to others and their goals. And I think if you stick with what's for you, stick with what makes you happy and find a way to serve through doing that, you'll be just fine. I was, I was a community service scholar when I was at Spelman. And so everything that I do has a service mindset. But I also would encourage young people to understand that once you find out what's for you, you also have to determine what's your way to engage it. Because so many people call me an activist, and I guess that is a way to describe what I do. But there are activists who are on the front lines, who do grassroots work, who who lobby. And that's, and I'm not saying I would never engage in those things, but my activism is sitting in my parking lot and educating. That is a form of resistance. And so being confident and staying in your lane and not allowing others to deter you away from doing what it is you'd like to do and how you'd like to do it. That's, that's the best way for you to start walking in those shoes. That's your call to. Some of what you've done has required you taking a risk. Um, you were, you know, we, we've been talking about education. You were an educator yourself, still are, um, but you made the shift to what you're doing today. Can you tell us a little bit about that risk taking um, and, you know, why you thought it was okay to do what you're doing now? Well, I will say that you also have to make decisions. Hmm. This is funny because I feel two ways about it, and I feel like two things can exist at the same time. The first one is I believe Will Smith said that you can't have a plan B because plan B distracts from plan A. Plan B provides a safety net from plan A, so you have to believe in plan A wholeheartedly, but I wouldn't say believe in plan A to the point where you can't take care of yourself. I would just make sure that your health and your well-being and your mental health is not, be, not being put in jeopardy for the sake of your dreams. I would like to make that disclaimer. However, I do believe that once you have confirmation and once you see that your path is opening up for you, I would full on support plan A, knowing the risks that come with it, but also having community and support to help you combat the risks that come with it. And I think that's the most important part when I left my job. I did have a bit of a safety net as far as paying my bills for the next six months, but I also knew that if I ever needed something, there was someone I could go to to help me with that. And I made sure those were agreements myself and that person entered prior to me making this step. And it just turned out that I didn't ever need them, you know? 
Well, I have to say, you clearly have had an amazing career already. Um, you're collaborating with celebrities and getting global recognition. Does that change you in any way? Does it change your style? What does that mean to you? You know, um, one of the things that comes with being a leader is wearing all the hats. And sometimes you wear so many of the hats and you're constantly working. Like today's a work day for me that you forget the things that you've accomplished, that you forget that things that you accomplished are extraordinary. And to have the recognition that I have gotten to have been nominated for the NAACP Image Awards, those kind of felt like rewards for my good work. And it felt like a moment to exhale to remind myself that I am doing well. You know, again, as a leader, there are going to be times when you are disappointed in yourself, when you beat yourself up, when you make mistakes. But then you have all these reminders that you're doing such a good thing and that you're doing something that people revere highly, that it means something to them. I think the most important or the most touching responses I get or recognition that I get is just from folks I might see on the street who literally <laughs> will stop me and say, you don't know. but and I, it'll get deep here, but this is the last thing I remember someone said to me, you don't know this, but my mother passed. My mother passed in the week she passed. I saw one of your videos and I went down a rabbit hole of all your videos and you just brought me out of such a funk. And for someone to say that I was able to bring them joy in such a time as that, it it even feels beyond me. And so sometimes I'm not as receptive and I and I always give the glory to God because spirituality is core to me to make sure I'm maintaining my peace and mental health. But I'm just reminded constantly that what I'm doing is serving a bigger purpose. And those accolades, those collaborations are exciting. They take me to new steps, of course, but it, they are all reminders that I may have had plans for myself. And God has bigger ones. That is so beautiful. And you are you are so amazing. <laughs> As you've been on this journey, has there been anything that surprised you about yourself? You know, I started my show as an exercise in consistency. I had no idea it was going to take off as quickly as it did. And so I've surprised myself by being able to be consistent <laughs> for as long as I have. I hit the mark of 100 episodes, which is pretty good Congratulations. for Congratulations. That's you. fantastic. Which was pretty good around the two-year mark that I was hitting it on. Um, and so that was helpful. I think what's also been surprising for me is my ability to learn, to accept constructive criticism, and then apply it. My ability to also be a better leader than leaders that have come before me. I remember specifically, I used to work at a cafe when I graduated from undergrad, and they put me in a management position. And the Gen Z kids know today that anytime someone says, oh, we're like a family here, it's a red flag. Well, I didn't know that at the time. And so what that meant for them is that we talked frequently about what was going on in my personal life. And it was, oh, it was always like, oh, we're here for you. And you can talk to us about anything. But the amount of access they had to my personal life allowed them to sort of manipulate what I did for them and how long I worked and what I was paid for and when I was paid. And so... 
I had a I had a emergency edit needed from one of my team members and I called him and the first thing that I said was, Are you free tonight? And then I said, No, wait, are you available tonight? Because being free doesn't mean being available. And that was something that I was just able to reach into the depths of my mind is that how as a boss how are you going to engage with your employees to ensure that they know that the respect level is mutual? So my ability to apply those things, I think is surprising. That's what I'm most grateful for. And understanding also that it's always a process, that I don't do it perfect every time, but that I'm willing to do it and I'm willing to make those sacrifices. And I think that that's what's most special to me because it helps me to know that I'm not allowing the power that's coming with this leadership to change me or to allow me to manipulate or exploit others, especially those that are close to me, because right now, all of the folks that are on my team were either former students of mine or underneath me at Spelman, as far as, you know, if I was a junior, they might have been a freshman at the time we were on campus together and looked up to the work that I did on campus and beyond. So I'm grateful for that, that amount of discernment or sense, as some would say. Well, you've provided so many words of encouragement. Is there something special that excites you about the future? Yes, um, quite a few special things. I've just launched a Patreon. I'm, I'm working on merchandise that I finally like as far as the quality from top to bottom, the designs. I'm also a graphic designer, I guess, because I have to design a lot of that myself to really get what I wanted. But I think what most folks who follow me really want to know is when I'm going to get my TV show. <laughs> so <laughs> what's the answer? I can't give you a definitive answer, but I will say that I am in the last stages of pitching a show. And so we're just waiting on someone to say yes. We'll keep our fingers crossed. You never know. It could be someone listening to this podcast, <laughs> So, which would be great. I'd love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Lene, thank you so much for your time. To our listeners, I hope you were encouraged and inspired. Lene Venise journey is one of many that we can't wait to share with you. Thank you for joining us. I also want to thank our producer, Sydney Perry, for making this podcast possible. I am Leocadia Zach, and this is Journeys to Leadership. Looking for more content? Check out Leading Everywhere, the Agnes Scott College podcast, a show that shares the stories of the campus community students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.